0: Hello and welcome to InspireMetoday.com. I'm your host, Gail Lynn Goodwin. All of us have thousands of thoughts each and every day. And you know, if we really look at them, most of them are judgments of ourselves, of a situation or of those around us. If we believe that our beliefs are true, we then create stress in our lives and become a prisoner to our own beliefs, thereby creating emotional suffering. As hard as it may sound, we do have a choice whether or not to be captured by our own thinking. Today's guest is here to share some ways to stop being a victim of what we're telling ourselves and instead learn to flow with life itself. For nearly 40 years, this globally renowned physician turned master healer, international bestselling author and workshop leader has been guiding people on profound journeys of self-inquiry and discovery, helping people achieve present moment awareness. His name is Richard Moss, and he's here today to share his inspiration with us. Richard, welcome. I am so honored to have you as a guest today on InspireMeTodayRadio.com.
1: Thank you, Gail. I'm very honored to be with you. Well, you An honored, honored to just be able to share this journey with your audience.
0: Well, we greatly appreciate it, Richard. For those that are unfamiliar with your work, start. Go back and tell us a little bit about who you are and share part of your story with us, please.
1: Okay. Well, like like everybody else, I grew up a pretty simple, ordinary uh, life in the United States and the East Coast and eventually found myself, as the event- Vietnam War was growing, deciding to go to medical school, and um, I became a physician. Then I went out to California to practice medicine and um, thought I was going to be a surgeon and decided I wanted to just do emergency medicine. It, was, it, it fascinated me. So I did that for about four years, and then I had quite um, unexpectedly a period of time that culminated a period of a year of of experiences that were so outside the normative place of my life um, that and culminated in in what I later understood as what people call cosmic consciousness or mm-hmm. something like that. Uh, but it was it was an absolute total transformation uh, of my life and and of my perspective about life and of consciousness in me and um, so. I retired from medicine. I took a year retreat. I was quiet and relax, restful and walked and contemplated and thing just just read and At the end of that year, I was um the energy became so strong this mystical experience took on a new level and um I really experienced what it means to be one of all things um my patients that I hadn't seen. Started calling me. I started to see them occasionally, and um, then a psychotherapist called me and said, "You know, the people you're seeing. One of them is my client, and's gone through so much change." Mm-hmm. So, long story short, she organized a retreat for me, a gathering of other psychotherapists in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. This was ni- 1976, seven, 77, and I said yes said no the first time I was in the middle of that year retreat, but then um, I said yes, and it's never stopped since then. I've been in 20 countries. My, the work is completely about transformation, about living in the present moment, which means in the body, learning to address um, what we're feeling, coming alive in our bodies, recognizing and respecting the richness of our psyches as they talk to us through our dreams and imagery and visions and um, Basically, human beings are much more than we thought we were, and certainly much more than I learned them to be as a physician. And I'm, I've i been supporting people in developing consciousness now for, as you say, nearly 40 years.
0: You know, Richard, it sounds wonderful. How difficult is this for the average person to actually achieve?
1: It's difficult only if you... It's not difficult at all, I would say. It's difficult... Uh, for a person who doesn't know yet that there's the possibility to do this. Um, So as soon as there's willingness, as soon as either something in life has wounded you so badly or shocked you so deeply that you want answers, or you've met someone who has such profound life flowing through them and simple joy flowing through them, and, and you look at your own life in the mirror and you say, you know what? Why can't I be more like that? Yeah,
0: I want that too. Exactly.
1: Yes. Well, and as soon as that happens, then then it isn't hard. But, but let me ask you a question: How easy would it be to to play a violin like Yehudi Menuhin?
0: Of course, you 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 start at the beginning. You buy a exactly. violin. You start taking lessons. You start learning. And yes. although you may never get that good, you'll get to the point of your your greatness, your perfection.
1: Exactly. Per- exactly. You may not get as, sk- I'm not tall enough to play basketball.
0: <laughs>
1: five foot nine, I'd never be a great basketball player. You know, I mean, so our bodies define certain things about where we can be excellent, and our minds and our particular emotional nature, our characters, and our eye hand dexterity define certain things, but as soon as you really decide to work on yourself, as soon as you decide that you want to become a person that people everywhere will admire when they meet you. Um, five years later, you're going to be very close to that person, and 10 years later, you're going to be a person you don't even recognize. Your children will have transformed their perception of you and their honoring of you. Your parents will even have changed their view of you. If, uh, um, and the world around you is going to be completely different.
0: Um, well, it, sounds, can, it sounds amazing, yeah. Richard. Where does someone start?
1: Well, you start always in the present moment, because it's all we ever have. And and then you realize, okay, in this moment, sometimes I've really found myself incredibly alive. Like, maybe you've skied and, and, and just love that sensation of, of disappearing into into an activity where you and the activity just become one. Maybe it happens for you in dancing. Maybe it's happened in painting or poetry or love making. But you know, everybody knows that there are moments where you disappear and you become one with what you're doing, and when I say you disappear, I mean the separate self, the ego, the the self-involved me, the, right. the narcissistic me, the the frightened me, and and suddenly you're in flow with life, and that's that is a taste of what these deeper realizations of consciousness that have been sometimes the goal, but really the source of of, of spiritual teachings. Mm-hmm. Um, are all about. And so you start in the present moment and what do you have? You have your feelings and you have a choice, run from them or feel them. And if they're positive feelings, we don't run from them, but we try to hold on to them, which creates suffering or distorts the direction of our life. If they're scary feelings or threatening feelings, we do run from them. We run from them by either getting very busy, numbing ourselves, becoming aggressive, becoming pleasers. We have behaviors since childhood that are adaptations that are not very conscious to these kinds of feelings. And then, and then the other thing you have are the things you have in the present moment are your perceptions and your sensations. But also, if you're aware, you begin to become alert to every thought that enters your mind, and you'll very quickly see that if there is a judgment of yourself...
0: Huh.
1: That judgment will arouse a sensation, usually it's a sensation of depression or depressiveness or I'm not good enough or insecurity, or sometimes our judgments of ourselves are inflated and grandiose and then we become controlling and and we start pushing people around and we feel superior and we think we know it all and we tend to be in, impatient and angry. Um, so these judgments of ourselves poison us in the present moment, they take us out of a kind of natural fluidity and natural balance and open-heartedness, and then the same thing happens if there are judgments of other people or of our careers or of other political parties, and endlessly, judge- every judgment poisons us. And then we have the whole aspect of time. We all are aware today that we're older than we were, and we all can anticipate the future, Um, way into the future when we're maybe very old or we anticipate the future in terms of the next project. Uh, And then we tell ourselves stories which have positive expectancy and we feel eager and excited and hopeful. But I can tell you that when you're really deeply in the present moment, that's a form of happiness that is greater than any form of Mm. mentally mentally created hope. But also we have negative anticipation. Sure. If you watch your thoughts in the present moment, you say, I mean, I'm not going to have enough money, um, or I won't be able to live the way I used to live. And every one of those kinds of thoughts just scares us, makes us anxious, worried, even terrified, even panicky. And it's not happening because anything real is happening to us. It's just that we're believing these
0: right. negative,
1: negative anticipations.
0: Well, you've got to be a realist, Right. That's what that part of our mind says. You've got to be... Yeah, I, I agree with you. You, yeah. you said something in your one of your quotes for your inspiration for Inspire Me Today, where you talked about fear. And I, I hope I'm quoting you correctly on this. I think you said something like, fear is something that will never go away. But if you live fearwards, your capacity to be with it will grow, and steadily you will become a champion of openness and love. So talk to us a little bit. What is living fearwards? What does that look like?
1: Well, at that moment in your body where you feel fear and so you don't speak the truth to someone who needs to hear the truth from you, a, a son, a daughter, a, a husband, a wife, even your parents, a coworker living fear means you find a way not to be attacking or judgmental, but to speak your truth. That's one piece of it. Living fear words means that if if you're going to have to Um, go to the airport like I am today and ask for a wheelchair. You don't try to make yourself courageous and walk in pain. You say, I need a wheelchair. And then you open your heart to an experience you never had before. And you say yes. You just keep saying yes. So you're in your body and the sensation of fear, instead of it becoming the wall that stops you, it becomes the place where you start to become very contemplative. You ask yourself, what is my life really about? What's the deep truth I want my life to represent? And when fear is there, and you know what the deep truth your life you want your life to represent is, you don't let the fear turn you away from your deep consecration. And that's how you invent yourself. That's how you, you become your version of a Nelson Mandela or your version of mm. a Mahatma Gandhi. You know, history may not choose you to, to play that kind of a role, of course but you can but you can carry that kind of an energy but you can't do that if you if fear is going to stop you stop you from speaking your heart stop you from from living your your gifts and your talents and you know everyone has been told oh you don't have a good voice or something like that when we were children and then you come to a point in your life when you say I'm going to sing it out metaphorically maybe literally sure sing anyway.
0: Well, you know, Richard, somebody might be listening to you and feel such great peace coming from your words and think, oh, this guy's had it easy. He doesn't have the kind of life I have. He doesn't have adversity. He doesn't have challenges. Of course, he's able to say (laughs) these things. Yeah, you know where I'm going. So talk to us a little bit about your life from that real standpoint. I'm assuming you also have had challenges. You also have dealt with adversity. But you found a way to do it by living in that present moment that has transcended whatever it was you were dealing with at that time. Yes, yes exactly so, it, if there is you know if you went out to sea,
1: uh, I actually sailed across the Atlantic Ocean with a group of my students years ago uh, in a 16 a meter fifteen meter boat and and not a big boat. and you need to have a na- navigation system. So what's a navigation system for the heart or the soul or the core of ourselves? You don't just think it's going to you know, show up automatically. Um, you have to choose it at some level. I chose long ago, if, if our listeners were to put their arm out in front of them and look down at their hand and let their hand be completely relaxed in front of them, <clears throat> and now just move your hand slightly, close the hand a little bit, and try to hold it in that slightly closed position. And you'll notice, there's a tiny bit of tension and then if you really relax the hand opens up just a little bit or go the other way and just extend the fingers and open the hand a little wider and and you notice there's a tension a slight stress and if you relax the hand comes to this position with the fingers curved and like it becomes a little bowl your hand and that is what what I said long ago in my body I will no matter what life brings no matter how money situations change, no matter how marital situations change, no matter how my health changes, that's I'm going to keep my heart and my body in the most relaxed, transparent, conductive, possible state. That was the beginning and and I realized that that was about trust, and so when we were talking, i before I said to you, you know five months now I haven't been able to walk more than two or three hundred feet." take wheelchairs to the airport. Soon I'll have surgery probably for my hip and hope you know, I have no doubt that I will be much better. But the point was it never closed my heart, never made me self-involved, never made me make other people take care of me, except in very, very legitimate ways and very briefly. Um, and that's a choice. So you have to make a choice deep in your heart. I call it your consecration. What is it you want to steer by And once you decide what you're going to steer by, then all the practices that you have found, mindfulness practices, meditation practices, self-reflective practices, um, self-centering practices, they're all there to help you become capable of living this deep dedication of your soul. I will not become self-involved when there is fear. I will not close my heart to another person or to myself or to life when there is fear, when there is adversity, when there is sickness. I've been close to death twice, saved by medicine. I've gone through a very, very painful divorce years ago, extremely painful. I've watched my son for the last 12 years of his life live with a a, chronic Lyme disease and, and mm-hmm. it stole his life from he's now in his he's almost 33 since 20 to now he's had just perpetual suffering he lives on intravenuses every day he has a port buried under his skin above his uh, right you know in the upper right chest right. he has to give himself IVs every day he never knows whether he can finish a class in school he never knows whether he's going to you know, get from one place to another without having to pull off the road and just deal with, with the reaction to either the treatment for his disease or the actual the disease itself. And he has had to adapt to that, and we live that with each other. We live that as a family. Um, and And so everybody has their issues. The point is, what I try to teach him, is you live in the present moment, and no matter how you feel, open your eyes to the people around you and keep your heart open. Just keep your heart open. And he's learning that. And that's been, for my last 35, 40 years, that's been what I practice. If I meditate, it's so that I understand why why I became impatient or why I, I became irritable or why I became controlling. If, I, if I'm praying, I'm praying in order to get closer and closer to the immediacy of this moment so that my life can become... Um, part of the deep, limitless intelligence that that is the source of all creation. Um, I'm not doing it to to gain something for myself. I'm doing it to become a person who helps contribute to everyone. And that is a decision we make. And then if you ever hear yourself say a thought like, I have to do more, and your body begins to contract, drop that thought. If you say God wants me to use all my gifts and that thought makes you stress even slightly, then you probably don't have the right God. God wants you to be <laughs> exactly as you are. you know. So, so throw yeah. away that idea of God because the only God any of us have is our own invention. So find one that is really going to help you become truly free and loving. Um, and, and so you listen to yourself and you walk away from any thought that causes poison in yourself or poisons anyone else. And that transforms the world. And, of course, it's it's a practice. It's a decision. It's a dedication. Um, and it's not because your life is easy.
0: It's, right. It's you know, because it, of choices that you make. Well, it, do you- it, In
1: fact, in some ways, if your life is not easy, you grow faster.
0: Oh, I would definitely agree with that. Richard, do you have specific routine, a specific practice that you do each and every day that kind of keeps you on track? Or, well, is, or is it moment, or is it life, moment I, by moment?
1: I'm, I would say I'm, almost, I'm always in, in a mindfulness or meditative state. So I'm, I'm aware of a thought, and, and it, it never even completes itself in, its, in my mind if it's a destructive thought. But the practices I teach to people to help them move in this direction, for example, right now every one of us is breathing. And if you just allow yourself to, for five consecutive breaths, um, come into your body, feel the breath, let every perception be as vivid as you can, let all your senses be attuned and alive as you can, and don't, don't even go toward a thought. For five breaths, there's just this moment, your mind is focused, every perception is clear, and your mind is vast and limitless and open, spacious and you do that for five breaths and your arousal level, the the arousal of thoughts about, oh, I'm not loved or I won't have enough or I haven't done well enough or I'm not good enough, the arousal level of those thoughts drops just a little bit and if you repeat those five breaths 10 minutes later, it drops again and five breaths takes 15 seconds or 20 seconds. Right, or, that's easy. You know, it's easy and if you do that 30 times a day, you know, 20 seconds times 30 is, you know, five minutes.
0: So is it pretty and, much you remind yourself when you have a stressful thought or you feel attention in your right shoulder or whatever, that you turn to the breath instead?
1: I stay in my body all the time. If my, I notice my shoulders are up, I just exhale, soften and let my shoulders down. Um, if I feel a pain in my body, I turn my attention toward it and become as spacious as I can. And, and I don't. You know, if it's a pain that needs to be addressed, my, I immediately recognize that. If it's, if it's just a normal little, you know, discomfort, an ache, yeah, an ache everybody right. has that. Sure. Um, but the real thing is don't let fear create thoughts about what's wrong with you or wrong with life. Don't believe a single thought that makes you angry or resentful or bitter or envious or jealous or inadequate. Just don't believe them because they're not true. Or the the only truth of a thought is that it arouses you in some way emotionally and then it affects your behavior. Um, So that's the truth of a thought. That's the truth of a judgment. It doesn't have any real truth. In fact, that's the truth of a belief. So carefully choose your God because the God you believe in, which is your own invention, is going to tremendously affect how you feel and how you live. Whatever God is, none of us will ever know. But what we do know is the God we choose to believe in. So choose carefully. Choose wisely. Invent a God that makes you a fantastic human being. And when you you do those five breaths, just drop into this moment and say, thank you. Thank you for these sensations. Thank you for this ache. Thank you for this tension. Thank you for this moment of doubt. Thank you for this fear. Thank you for what my eyes are showing me, the light the colors thank you for the sensations in my skin just thank you it's the most it's the most powerful prayer of
0: all gratitude yes i couldn't agree with you more every single time i feel stuck in life i turn to gratitude and it has this magical way of taking you from a place of stuck to unstuck absolutely yes.
1: and, and, and you can people don't realize if you choose to be grateful and you're in the present moment and what's there is grief, then be grateful for the grief and feel it. If what's there is joy, be grateful for the joy and give it away to everyone. You know, imagine it flowing into every human being everywhere. Don't hold on to anything. And and um gratitude is just you know, thank you, Lord. Whatever your conception of God is, you don't ask for something, thank him. Thank her. Thank it. Thank whatever, however you conceive of the mystery, just keep saying thank you. And thank you is, like you just said, that it changes the energy. And it's the practice. But now be thank you in your body. You can't be thank you in your body if you believe a thought, I'm not loved.
0: Or or I'm, you know, too short, or I'm too fat, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm too what, you know, too whatever. You know, so many of... What I think people are focusing on right now is, I should look like this, I should act like this, I, all the shoulds in life. And what you're talking about, just I'm, I see all those shoulds just melting away and being grateful for exactly where you are in this very moment.
1: It's all we have. It's all that it is, this present moment. Go deep enough and you'll come to the source of everything, and you'll become one with that. Stay superficial. And you'll poison this moment by believing all those judgments, all those shoulds, and all those shouldn'ts. Um, The thing is, if you say, I should be this way, then pull out its twin and say, I shouldn't. You say, I should be skinnier, or I should weigh less, then take out I shouldn't weigh less. What's the evidence for I should? Well, the doctor said so, or I'll be healthier. What's the evidence for I shouldn't? Well, this is exactly as I am. And what's the motivation for change? Is it to celebrate and say thank you? Or is it because you feel something's wrong with you? There's actually nothing wrong with anybody unless you believe a thought about yourself that tells you that there's something wrong with you. And I wouldn't believe a thought like that. Because that, I, I, I live in my body, and my body tells me right away that that thought just poisoned me, so I'm not going to believe it.
0: Richard, what you're saying is so profound and yet so simple, and yet it's... I mean, just what you just said about, you know, if you have a thought, that's, that's not a nice thought. That's a thought that's not going to be beneficial to me. So I'm not, I'm not going to choose to believe it. Does that feel in any way that you're not living in reality? Do you know what I mean? Unadventural. Well, Unadventural I, reality. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. But these are the kind of comments that I get when I blog about this or when I teach about this. And so I'm just curious if you've had people come with the same the same issues, the same things and say, Oh, but you're not living in you know, you're not living in reality because the world really does revolve around these principles. And again, nobody it's, says, it's nobody
1: says that to me and I doubt Gail, if they were sitting with you they'd say it to you. Because when you live what we're talking about, you have a, a field, and their cells feel it. Their body feels it. They, they know what he's going to say to me when they've watched me take the wheelchairs through the airport and still arrive for my my program and travel the world as I do. That I'm not in reality, and I live exceptionally simply. I I chose to downsize my life in every way. After my divorce years ago, I said I'm going to live exceptionally simple. I couldn't do it in, in the marriage. Um... The children are grown. I don't have to, you know. I, so I, my life now is is so so simple. Um, I, it, you know, I, I chose to live here in Colorado because I could find a very simple townhouse that would cost me very little, so that I wouldn't have to worry about financial pressure. I, I I what I own is all I need, and if I buy something, it's on sale. I keep my life incredibly simple, and then I give away what's old or older that's still good and and everybody can choose to do this i don't want to be owned by by what owned you know by the things sure. i have have and so when people no one ever no one has ever said to me it's not reality not not anyone um, no no they, I they basically I, come to me because they want help finding reality
0: no and that's a beautiful way of looking at it richard i guess where i was going with that is when a thought comes into your mind that is distressing there's one. There's fact, one. I'm sorry. If it's a
1: fact. If it's a fact, if it's a fact, then then face the fact. Um,
0: if, if, but there's a difference. You're making a really good point that there's a difference between belief and fact.
1: Exactly. And sometimes there's a. It's a very subtle thing, but if I turn to my partner Annalisa, or she to me, and I say something about her. Uh, and I've given careful thought to how I'm going to say it and what I'm going to say because I really am am a perceptive person. She's a perceptive person. And so I have a perception to share with her about her behavior and, and then how that makes me feel. Well, when I share a perception with her, she gets quiet for a moment and she says, yes, I know myself. That's true. So my perception, she recognizes, is, is, is close to factual. It's true. Uh-huh. But if I make a judgment, then no way. Then, then she's going to say, you know, she's going to get angry legitimately. So you have to learn the difference between judgment and perception and between fact and belief. So if you say, I'm tired, that's wonderful. It's true. It's a fact. If The subtext to that is, I should have more energy.
0: You know, ah, I'm not keeping. I'm not keeping up
1: with other people. I, I have to tell you, how many people make themselves miserable with their unconscious stories about being tired or fatigued? They, they, they don't even. I say to a person, if you get to the end of a day and you have not spent your time being aroused by your stories, and you've worked hard all that day, you're going to f- sit down, you're going to fall asleep just like a cat or a dog. There's no nervous stress. You're going to sleep wonderfully. You're not going to have any problem with insomnia. I have no problem with insomnia. I'm 60, almost 7 years old. Um, and But if all day long you've been aroused by one belief after another that's caused you to doubt yourself or be angry at someone else or feel envy or feel resentment or think you're not good enough or think you're better, you're going to be exhausted. And then you'll have this, you'll say, I'm tired, but, I'm, but you'll be saying to yourself, but I'm not allowed to be. I have to do more.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know? And so I say to people, you know, what is the sensation of fatigue without any story? And they don't even know it. Oh, what What about grief? Grief is an experience we all have. We, we will all feel. But grief without guilt, grief without a story I should have tried more or he or she should have tried harder or the doctors didn't do well enough or the, this or that.
0: Right. I mean,
1: grief, just pure, that pure sensation of grief. You know, <laughs> the psycho- psychological litter, DSM-5 now has come out, and, and they're making grief a disease. If you get depressed after grief, you have, a, you have a disease, and you should be bes- prescribed uh. an antidepressant. No, you should not. You should just curl up in your bed and breathe with that grief and hold those memories and separate any story that causes anything other than the natural experience of grief. If If you have a story... That you should have tried harder. That 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 you didn't do well enough. That you were, you failed as a mother and on or failed as a father and on and on and on. That's not true grief. Now you're polluting yourself. Um, that you have to stop. That let you it can go. stop. Yeah, let it go. And then feel what you feel until your deep wisdom says the alchemical transformation you needed, the wisdom, the consciousness you needed by 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 mm,
0: this percolating,
1: kind of okay. stewing in this natural feeling, difficult as grief might be, for example, um, is now over. And in a certain point, you just get up, and maybe there'll be a, an element of grief forever because there are people we love, and then they're absent, and they're going to be absent, at least physically and energetically, they're going to be absent. But they don't have to be absent in our heart. And our heart's so... Um, so with feelings, true feelings, make space for them with the emotions created by thoughts? Don't believe a single thought that poisons your body. And if you're in your body, you know it, you feel it. And that is reality because you start to become so intelligent, so intuitive, so able to adapt to change, so able to filter out unnecessary information from useful or essential information, so you become a better leader, a, a better I help business people become much better business people, teaching them exactly what we're talking about.
0: I imagine that would definitely help because it puts them more in tune with who they are, therefore who their business is. It it has to help in every aspect of life.
1: It certainly does. And, you know, it's so obvious, and yet it takes sometimes someone to point it to us.
0: Exactly. Well, Richard, thank you for taking the time and pointing to it, for for helping us understand that sometimes we can be our own worst enemy and get out of the way and feel what we feel, experience the experiences. This is very good information that you've shared, and I, for one, just want to say thank you to you for being who you are and for sharing your brilliance with our listeners today.
1: Thank you. My my privilege.
0: Yeah, and Richard, I want to also ask, what's next for you? Is there any way that we can help you or anything that you want to share? I know you have an upcoming retreat. How can somebody get involved and learn more and go deeper with you should they choose to do so?
1: Well, if they want to go deeper with themselves and use use what I've written, my newest book, Inside Out Healing, um, Transforming Your Life Through the Power of Presence, which is published by Hay House, they can get that through Amazon, Inside Out Healing by Richard Moss. If they want to come to my website, www.richardmoss.com, then there's a, the very thing we're talking about. How do you step away from these kinds of stories? How do you recognize where they're taking you? There's a free e-course. There's a five-lesson e-course. And then if you finish that, a, an eight-lesson e-course, they're both free. They're on the website. And the breathing meditation, there's a five-minute um, video guidance guiding people in using the, the five-breath meditation, using touch, using other kinds of things for centering, all on my YouTube channel. And my next my next long retreat is coming up soon in Ojai, California, in November. That's on the website. But all of the deep work retreats, every anywhere in the world, they're on the calendar on the website. Perfect. So there's there's deep work for couples. Deep work means you're at a point in your life right now. You need help to do some very important work to make the right decision to get things moving to shift your energy. And I'm so good at helping people do that, as you say, forty years of nearly 40 years of doing this Um, so that's how they find me
0: excellent we'll go ahead and put all those links directly on your profile here at Inspire Me Today too so that for our listeners if you're listening to this while you're out jogging or driving or whatever don't worry just come on back to Inspire Me Today go to Richard Moss M-O-S-S and all the links and information for Richard's programs books lectures will all be there for you so Richard, once again, thank you from my heart to yours for taking the time to just share that. Your, I mean, my takeaway from this is it is only about this moment, right here, right now. And I really appreciate that gentle, loving reminder in the way that you shared with us. Well, oh,
1: thank you. Absolutely, my, my privilege.
0: And to our listeners, thank you for spending part of your day with us. Come on back again next week. We'll bring you inspiration from another incredible luminary. And until then, remember, it's only when you have the courage to step off the ledge that you'll realize you've had wings all along. We love you. We're here for you. We'll see you again tomorrow. And thanks again for stopping by.